Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Yeah, sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, Go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today.
Valerie June is a tremendously talented multi-instrumentalist, poet, singer, author, and songwriter who splits her time between Tennessee and Brooklyn, New York. Raised in Humboldt, Tennessee, before relocating to Memphis, June is from a musical family of sorts, attending impactful church gatherings where singing was integral, and witnessing her father promote concerts by the likes of Prince, Bobby Womack, and many others. Over the past two decades, June has published a book called Maps for the Modern World and released five acclaimed albums, including 2017's The Order of Time, which earned praise from Bob Dylan. On March 21st, 2021, Fantasy Records released June's latest album, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers, which was produced by Jack Splash, and one of its tracks, Call Me a Fool, a duet with Carla Thomas, received a Grammy nomination for Best American Roots Song. With a deluxe edition of the record out now, featuring covers of songs by John Lennon, Nick Drake, and Stephen Foster, plus collaborations with the likes of Mavis Staples, Valerie and I connected for a lovely talk about being an ant and a plant lady, her interest in meditation, nature, and the great outdoors, how the message in John Lennon's Imagine has been construed and misconstrued by optimists and pessimists, growing up in Tennessee and how singing in church differs between white folk and black folk, spirituality and atheism, learning the music biz ropes, bringing Mavis Staples aboard, and the sound and hopeful tone of the moon and stars, prescriptions for dreamers, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will help you with all your orders. Head on over to blackbird.ca to learn more. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 670 of Creative Control, featuring the hilarious, talented, and thoughtful Valerie June with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Valerie. How's it going? Going okay. How's it going with you, Vish? Oh, it's not bad. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you? I am in New York. Ah, New York. Whereabouts in New York are you? Brooklyn. You know, everyone who's been on the show lately has told me they're in Brooklyn, which begs the question, is it very crowded there? Do you, are you finding it crowded? All my guests are... Do you walk around and just think, oh, there's another one of Vish's guests? Is that what goes through your mind? <laughs> well, it's definitely not crowded for me. I know how to make any place a small town. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, you're not from Brooklyn originally, is that correct? Correct. I'm originally from Tennessee. Nice. I love Tennessee. I've only been there twice. Twice. I love it very much. Uh, how long have you been in Brooklyn? For the last 10 years, I've been back and forth between Tennessee and New York. So I live half the time there and half the time up here and just go whenever I feel like it down and come back whenever I feel like it. So yeah. that's pretty much been my life. 
That's not bad. Those are two nice places to to live in. Uh, so did Bro- Brooklyn, I assume, uh, music brought you to Brooklyn. Was there any other reason? No, it's always been love that moved me. So no. <laughs> I never moved for music. I've only moved for love. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's lovely in itself. And does the love go back and forth between uh, Tennessee and New York, or is generally it- not? Tennessee is my alone place. So, but I say alone, but almost every friend I have and all of my family is there. And we have tons of little babies coming this like rabbit season in my family. <laughs> so I have all these nieces and nephews that I get to hang out with and more of my friend circle there, my love circle up here. <laughs> I see. All right. That's nice. Do you, do you find, I don't know, do you have kids of your own? No, I don't. I'm on V. <laughs> That's, sometimes it's fun just being an auntie, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, they can't say Valerie. So I like being called V. They come up and they're like, ain't V, ain't V, ain't V. And I'm like, oh, my God. I never thought I'd be on V. I have an on D. So when the baby started coming and they chose the name for me on V, I was like, okay, I'll take it. Thank you. I'm honored because Aunt D is an amazing aunt. So I hope I'm as great to them as she was, she is to me. (laughs) Well, that's lovely. Aunt V. That's, that's cool. I like that. I, I, I would be Uncle V, I guess. If, if I met those kids, they'd be Uncle V, right? I'd be Uncle V. You would be. You know, I am a plant mom. I have tons of plants. So I have my babies. And today I was doing yoga and I looked over at one of my babies and I was like, oh my God, I remember when we first brought you in the house, how tiny you were. And now you're this huge agave plant. Help! How have you grown? So I have that kind of connection with my plants. <laughs> plants are a huge, huge responsibility. We're making jokes, but you got to take care of of plants. How'd you get into plants, by the way? I'm just curious, because that's not for everyone. People and plants, it can get out of control. Someone comes home with one plant and the next time you go over they've got three, then it just keeps going. Are you one of those people? Do you have a lot of plants? <laughs> yeah, I'm the crazy plant lady. Like there's the crazy cat lady. I'm the crazy plant lady. <laughs> Both here in Tennessee, I have tons of plants and you know, it started like you're saying. It started with the only one and I named it the only one because I was on tour all the time and when I come home, it was the only one that survived. And so once I got with another person, my partner, he loves plants as well. And he takes care of the plants when I'm traveling or away. And once that happened, then the only one became the not so lonely one. And so the only one now has tons of friends and I never have to worry. But it was very lonely for a long time, that plant. (laughs) Now you've named. So do the other plants all have their own names? Oh, yeah, they have their own names and they are, they have character. Like, you know, there's one of them who's like the leader of a hello, bitch, we need to be watered. And (laughs) it's a peace lily and she is the weepy lily and she like leans over the first one to lean over and show me that it's water in time. She's like always the one like, hello, did you forget about us? And she does it twice a week. And I know that it's my time to go over and water them all. And they're so grateful for her. Because without her, I wouldn't have that sign, you know? <laughs> we need water, Mom. <laughs> That's incredible. So does, does do the plants 
or the nieces and nephews and and friends and family uh, do these kinds of people uh, inspire you as a, a songwriter as a mu- or a musician? I know many of your songs seem to be about relationships, but have the plants and the relatives made it into your songwriting or uh, work as an inspiring force for you? Yeah, they have made it. When I listen to my own songs or when I'm going back and I'm like, now what does all of this mean to me? I think it's very easy to write in terms of a love, like relationship with one or two people. But really, like what the songs are doing is they're going deeper than that because they can be related to just you and your partner or they can be related on the world's you know, in the world view and more like you and humanity, or they can be related in a internal sense of you and your relationship to self or your relationship to nature. And so like, where will we be without mother nature? Where will we be without that? And so it's all in the music. And also on the latest record, there's a beautiful song that I recorded in Tennessee of just the bird song that I listen to when I record when I'm home. And so I was like, I got to put that on the record. It's like birds, it's frogs, it's like all the critters from cicadas to crickets, everything that happens. And it's like a symphony that comes on every day. It starts in the morning and it'll simmer down toward the middle of the day and it starts back up toward the end of the day. So I definitely put put that in my work. So the, there are some pieces on here I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you're referring to one of those specifically, but things like stay meditation. Uh, there's all, there's the African proverb featuring Carla Thomas. There's the starlight ethereal silence. Like these are particularly unique pieces. Um, the, the bird song you're talking about. What what song were you referring to there? It's starlight ethereal silence. That's the bird song piece. Right. So these pieces in particular, why was it important? They're kind of, they sort of, because of their length and where they're positioned, they're a little bit interstitial. You know, I'm not saying they're skits, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're just little breaks, so to speak. I'm just curious, why, what, what motivated you to add these three particular pieces? Well, that is the kind of way I like to live my life where I have these moments of stillness that come into my day. And that could be me like choosing to sit and do a meditation or me choosing to go for a walk or watering my plants. That's my time. And I think it's important that we have that kind of time in our lives. And so the fact that they're just kind of in there, sometimes I can go into that state of carving that self time while I'm washing dishes or while I'm at the grocery store or whatever it is that I'm like regular life, you know, and the busyness of regular life, which would represent the other songs. That could be like a moment where I stop what I'm doing and I just kind of pause and I take in like the fact that I'm in this body and I get to be here and there's all of this beauty on earth and all around me and just like, thank you for this existence. And so I wanted to have those little moments carved in the record and working with Jack Splash, he is the king of interludes. <laughs> so I knew that this was going to be achievable in working with him. <laughs> now, is he the king of interludes just in regular life or just on records? Is he just like you're with him and all of a sudden, uh oh, he's on to another interlude. I thought we were just having dinner. Is he that kind of person? 
No, he's he's that way on his records though. He's produced stuff for Tank and the Bangas and Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, and both of those records have interludes that he created on there. So he's just really great at that. I see. So are they? They're partially his invention on some level. Uh, no, they aren't his invention. What they are is, as we sat together, and I would say to him, okay, I'm hearing bells, I want to have like a meditation here on this part of the song. Then he would be like, okay, yeah, we got it. And so being able to work with someone who got that versus what are you talking about? Are you from an alien planet or what? <laughs> um, was so important to me. And that's part of re- the reason why I chose him is because I knew that I wasn't going to have to argue about keeping that part of the record. And when you said that they are skips, I wanted them to be skips too. Like oh. I want people to be able to listen to the record without having to take that time. If they're not in the mood, be where you are basically. Yeah. Like if you're not ready for a meditation, just skip stay meditation and go right to you and I. If you're not ready to hear bird song while you're driving down the street, <laughs> then just look, like move past that one. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how it happens. I should clarify. I didn't say skips as as though they were skippable. I was saying skits, like on you know, on like on records, there can be like little interludes where it's not a song, it's like dialogue or people talking or it's like a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, like I know they're not they're not designed that way, but they're just a little break from the action of the album. That you're not expecting. And I usually associate such things with like hip hop skits, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite ones is on the Miss uh, Education of Lauren Hill when she's at the school. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. There's some there's been some brilliant skits over time. And again, I don't want to, you know, taint this in any way. These aren't skits, but they're just little breaks in the album action is where I'm coming from. So I was just curious about them. And I gather there was some field recording going on. So I appreciate that nature is a big that nature just plays a big role in your life generally as an artist. That's what you were, we're kind of getting at. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Now the record is called The Moon and Stars. You don't get much more outside than that. The Moon and Stars, which are usually in the sky, prescriptions for dreamers. Uh, it's a lovely album. I want to say first of all, or maybe it's fourth of all by this point. Congratulations on all your success with this particular record. Uh, it's been some time now. How are you feeling about it? Have you processed the the fact that it's resonating uh, on such a huge level? By the way, congratulations, too, for, I believe, a, at least one Grammy nomination. Is that correct? Yes, it's my first ever Grammy nomination. I'm so excited. <laughs> Myself and Carla Thomas were nominated, and it's huge for both of us. We did the song Call Me a Fool together. She sang on it and read the African proverb at the beginning of it. And I yeah. think it's as much an honor for her as it is for me. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's lovely. So, yeah, uh, that's amazing. Uh, how are you doing with all this information? This, the fact that people are just like, holy Lord, I love this Valerie June. Is this a new experience for you? Are, are you dealing with it okay? Is it weird? It's not weird. It is very new, and it feels almost like driving a new car (laughs) whereas like those first days you're just so excited and it just feels like a new life in some ways yeah or when spring comes around that's kind of what it feels like and the plants start coming the flowers start blooming again after a long winter that's what it feels like and so i'm very grateful for it i'm excited about it we'll see how it all 
plays together. I feel like I'm weaving and, and making a quilt with my art and my life. So we'll see how it comes together. Well, I wondered about that based on some of the, the covers that you've chosen here in terms of uh, whether or not uh, the artist you've... Uh, uh, sorry, for the deluxe edition of this record, I should say. Uh, and I wonder if they are people that you would cite as early influences. In particular, I'm referring to Nick Drake, John Lennon, Stephen Foster. Are these early musical influences for you, or have they come to you later in life? It depends on how early. Like, I came across Imagine when I was 14. It was the first CD I bought. I went to Walmart. (laughs) I'd saved up some money after hearing it on the radios, and I saved enough to buy my first CD, and I bought that record of the album imagine yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i did it because i love the message of the song and i just just like this has to be it i have to have it so that one was at that age about 14 nick drake was about 18 i was living with the painter and he would always be in his room painting and listening to like Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and Nick Drake. And I just fell in love with the writing and also mm. the voices. And I love acoustic guitar and all of the above. So um that one was around then. And Stephen Foster, I have to believe I fell in love with that lifetimes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone has that one ingrained in their spirit from some other life. <laughs> you don't even have to like seriously hear the song in this lifetime to know you know, you've heard it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you just like it's so familiar to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I want to just home in on John Lennon for a second there because uh, you can't see this right now, but like I, I'm a, I have some John Lennon. Uh, stuff in my office here where I'm talking to you from. I'm just glancing at my John Lennon vinyl box set. Always a, been a huge figure for me since I've been like six years old. But that song, for some reason, uh, has, I don't know, it generates this cynical scrutiny. Imagine, I mean. And I'm always curious about it. Um, do you know what I'm referring to? Like people think it's kind of uh, overly utopian or, you know, hippie nonsense to think that the concepts of the song are even feasible, but, or what, like, just, you know what I'm getting at there? I do. And I can't even go down that lane because I actually believe that the concepts are true. <laughs> so that's, that, that's the argument I make. Like, I don't understand the things that that song are saying is every, imagine that everything currently dividing us didn't, didn't have to divide us, didn't exist in its current form. And and when the pandemic happened, like I'm starting to see a bit of that. I don't know how to put it any other way, but I was tr- I've seen that people were threatened by the fact that normalcy, the way we normally do things, uh, was under threat, and they were getting upset about it. Like they wanted everything to go back to normal, the way they thought normal should be. And then I thought of John. And then I don't. Do you remember when uh, all those Hollywood people did a version of Imagine, like uh, about a year and a half ago? I don't remember that, but I would need to go look it up now that you're saying that. It was like Gal Gadot seemed to be the, you know, the actress Gal Gadot. She just got like a bunch of like celebrities to sing a line and record it on their phone. It's like when lockdown first started. And when it came out, people were like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then, you know how, did you spend much time on the social media, Valerie? I go on there when I need to for work. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a hellscape because the thing that everyone likes, there's like a backlash within, sometimes within hours. 
And so I was just like, oh, no, this cast this song in a new light for me. And I appreciated seeing it on this uh, deluxe edition because I think it's a great song and I think it's got a good message, but people are so cynical now. Do you have any cynicism? Let me ask you that. Do you feel like you're a cynical person or an optimistic person? <laughs> I'm very optimistic, very. And um, <laughs> I think it gets, you know, there's a big difference between being optimistic and being happy or living mm-hmm. in a place of joy and being happy like or being positive and being happy <laughs> like so i'm a little bit of both but mostly optimistic yeah. <laughs> because there are you know there's a lot of darkness in the world and for you to wake up and have optimism and positivity on your mind and a oneness of humanity on your mind and to try to have that be a reality for you in your day, even though the world's so dark, is kind of like the most brutal way to live. Yeah. You know, it's what are you doing to your own heart? You're breaking it every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to instill yourself with hope, I think, to get through the times like I don't you have no other um, perspective because you've always as far as I know been an American but I know that I talk to Americans and they're either like throwing up their hands like this is just the way this country is or they're like we have to fight we have to figure this out like do you do you pay much attention to kind of sociocultural politics and and does that get to you at all you know I (laughs) I generally like try to work from an internal way of like, yeah, see what's happening in the world, but Hmm. how do I want the story to be told and what story do I want to write? And I live there. I live in the imagination and that's kind of why the song is so important to me because I think if you are going to have a dream of a better or more harmonious world, then it's got to come from imagination. It can't come from the reality that we keep creating. And if we keep focusing on that same, perpetuating the same negative reality and focusing our energy on all the shit that's wrong, instead of focusing our energy on what does that new story look like? What is that new narrative? Let's, I know it's not here yet, but let's go on and call it forth. Yeah. Then um, we see the same cycles of history repeating themselves. That is what we are doing. We have a lot of power to create, to create and sculpt the world. And I think sometimes we don't want to really accept how much responsibility that entails. And so that's kind of why I like I do read the news. I don't watch it. Because I don't need anybody else's commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and I look at what's happening in the world and I say, okay, and what do I wish to see? And let me live there, you know? Wow. So Otherwise, my heart will break. I mean, it yeah. does. It breaks. I go dark, you know? Well, as you're speaking, all I can think of is the line... You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Like, it's like you're the personification of this song. Imagine on some level. That song really resonated with you as a kid. 
Yeah, and that's kind of why this record is called Prescriptions for Dreamers, the Moon and Stars, because we, if we're using our imagination, we're looking to the moon and stars. It's, it's huge. It's sparkling. It's full of light. It's possible. It's optimistic. Yeah. But, you know, when you see one of the world's greatest dreamers like Dr. King be shot down for believing in his dream and his magic and his power yeah. and the vision he had for the planet, or you see a person like John Lennon and assassinated for dreams, for beauty, for light that he was trying to project through his art. Um, when you see that, it breaks your heart and you need a prescription to heal that and to keep you imaginative and dreamy and hopeful. And those prescriptions look like songs. They look like sculptures. They look like paintings. They look yeah. like movies, art. Art is the only kind of way we can heal and make it through these trying times, I think. You know, art, nature, things of that sort. Well, that's beautifully said, and I, I have to agree. Uh, it's what I've dedicated my life to uh uh, engaging with and supporting as best I can. I'm just curious if we can head back to, is it, it's actually Memphis you're from, is that correct? Yes, the town I was born and raised in is Jackson in Humboldt, Tennessee, which is about an hour and 30 minutes from Memphis. And as soon as I became able to leave the house at 18, I moved to Memphis and like lived there for a decade and also never have really left. <laughs> You know, it's always going to be home. Yeah, when I when we were driving through Tennessee, I saw signs for Jackson, and because I'm a huge, uh, I've, I've always been a huge Johnny Cash fan. I associate the 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 town there with the song Jackson. Do you know that song? Oh yeah, I know it very well. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, my town. That's your town. It's definitely about that town, right? There's no other Jackson. That's what they were singing about, Johnny and June Carter Cash. Well, they argue that it's about Jackson, Mississippi. What I personally know is about Jackson, Tennessee. That's what I think. That's what I think, too. You're right. I agree. Anyway, I want to go back to that uh, era in your life to just figure out how you got to this uh, beautiful place where you're meditating. You're a crazy plant lady. You have uh, dreams and imagination. You know, I, I appreciate that. Can we go back to what first sparked your interest in music as a young child? You mentioned being 14 and going to get uh, imagined by John Lennon, but what was the very, very first memory you have of hearing music or experiencing music and thinking, oh, this is something? Do you recall? Absolutely. Um, my My parents were very very devout Christians, and they took us to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every single other occasion where something was going on church-related. And so it was church, and church was Church of Christ, and it was about 500 people, and no instruments, only voices. Mm. And so from the time I was a baby born till 18, every single week, multiple times a week, I would go for an hour or two and be immersed in voices singing and many different types of voices because there wasn't a choir. Everyone was required by the law of God, according to the Bible, mm -hmm. to sing together, lift your voice up to God, or you would be going to hell. And nobody wanted to go to hell, so of course everybody sang as loud as they could, especially me. Mm -hmm. And and so that's kind of where I learned how to how to sing. And at first when I was very little, they we lived on one side of town and the Church of Christ was predominantly black, five hundred members. And then 
when I got to be about 14, we moved to the other side of town out in the country. And my parents were like, we're not driving all the way across town just because we're black when there's a Church of Christ right here. Right. So we went to the Church of Christ there, which had about 500 white people. And the singing at both churches was the same songs, but it was from a different part of the body, the black voice comes more from the diaphragm and lower area where the white voice comes more from the head, more like, and the head and the back of the head and nasal and places like that. I've never heard anyone articulate it that way. What do you suppose that means? Are we getting at what soul music is because it actually comes from your body and your soul? Is that too... I feel like that's a little trite, but what do you what do you make of that physiologically? Why would why would people sing differently if it's the same material? Um, I think maybe geographic location has a lot to do with that in some ways because you're you speak like where you're from, and so you're, that's your dialect and your accent, and hmm. and so most of the people that are Caucasian being like you know from Appalachia or wherever. That's more of like a a deeper kind of southern draw. I see. And huh. I don't know. I don't know why it is that the black voice is usually more like <laughs> lower at the churches. But I never felt like I needed to stick to a rule with my voice and make my voice sound a certain way because of the color of my skin. And I think going to both churches kind of made that true for me. It was like, hey, there are no rules. A voice can be whatever a voice is. There are a tons of different kinds of voices in the world. <laughs> I see. So you're not you're not being critical of either style and in, in some ways you might have uh you might have applied both styles of singing to your own practice. Is that possible? Yeah, it is because when I was First born, and then I learned to speak, and I learned to sing these songs with everyone else. I learned to sing them the way that, you know, to blend with the crowd of what I was, you know, people I was hearing. I would sit by different people each Sunday, and I would learn how to breathe and sing like them. That was more what I was doing at church than studying the Word of God. And then I would go, when we went to the predominantly white church, I would... I walked, I remember walking in and it seemed like the whole church of 500 people turned around and looked at us because we were black (laughs) and everybody kind of like gasped a little bit. And then it was all good from then on, from then till 20 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and when I heard the voices, I was like, Oh my God, this is so different from the way I'm used to singing this song. I've got to learn to sing like this. And so I started doing what I did at the other church where I would sit by different people and I would listen to the way they held a note and breathed. And I would learn how to sing like that one, like that one, like that one, like that one, many different voices and none trained singers, some trained singers probably, but really just people who live life and come off the street to come and worship God, you know, and sing because that's what the book said. That's what the book said. Yeah, no, I hear that. Now, you earlier we were talking about how you were uh, you you mentioned a painter that was playing. Uh, you lived with a painter, I think you said, and he and, and they were playing songs by Leonard Cohen, Nick Drake, John Lennon, and the lyrics resonated with you at that point in your life. 
And you just, but you just said, interestingly, I thought, like you were more interested in the singing than the word of God. Was there anything about the lyrical content of what you were singing in church that resonated with you? And within that, do you consider, your, do you still consider yourself a, a person of faith or spirituality, if you will? Well, the singing had all the word of God in it. So I was able to like, I think people learn differently in different ways spiritually, and they need different things spiritually in order to learn. And the earth is a school for us all to learn what we need to learn spiritually, yeah. period. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so like, if you learn best through song, then reading the verse, then learn through the song, you know? <laughs> so, and songs are great teachers. They are. And they outlive the original writer. That's how strong the teachings of them, you know, will be. Like, for example, right. Imagine is still teaching us. But, um, and it doesn't have to be a gospel song for you to get the spiritual message of the song or the soul. And so I learned all of that through just, I guess, being <laughs> and yeah. loving music and, and, and that was really it. I mean, I studied the Bible quite a lot and pretty much every type of religious book. Like I'm very interested in philosophies and trains of thought and myths and realities and mm -hmm. things of that sort. So I'm constantly reading things that are in the spiritual, religious or esoteric categories of bookstores because I'm curious to other people's trains of thoughts and, and how they, we throughout time have learned to exist. <laughs> yeah, well, and given your interest in, and the beyond, given your interest in meditation, I mean that has a connotation with sort of Zen philosophy and and Buddhism, if you will, uh, and other other cultural backgrounds. Um, have you found yourself, you know, growing up the way the way you did and and how you attended church? Have you found yourself more drawn to other schools of thought when it comes to faith or spirituality? Most definitely I have. And, you know, the biggest, the greatest school of thought for me is the thought of oneness and mm -hmm. my great appreciation for the way that I entered the world of having 18 years of solid Christian um, education and yeah. study. Yeah. And that being like the door that opened all of religions and spirituality to me. It was yeah. like, you know, I needed to go through that door to see all these other doors opening. There's one path, but the path leads to like so many more paths of beauty. And depending on where you're born, you enter it through different areas. Some people, if you're born in a certain place, you would enter it through Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever. Right. But once you get in there, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this place <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> well, I grew up in a, in a Hindu household. My parents are Hindu, but that led me to reject it a little bit, like a, a lot of their cultural practices. Like the, I was first generation born in Canada. They were from India and there's a little cultural tension, clash sort of tension there for me. And I, you know, you did you have this at all? Did you, did you find that your friend group or your social group was a lot different than what was going on at home? I mean, I had that because of where they, my parents were from and, and where I was living. Like I'd go out and play road hockey and then come back and they were talking about Hinduism and, you know, sort of stuff about India. Did you have any of that, that little bit of tension between the outside world and what was going on inside your house? Absolutely. My first husband, he was an atheist. So when I brought him home to the family, they were all excited about that one. 
<laughs> yeah, but I, I could see loved that. him. I learned so much from him. It's important for you if you have a certain way of thought to take take the great leap and throw that thought against the wall and see like does it stand. <laughs> it's important for us. It's maybe not the best for our parents. Somehow, is it? I always, I always want to see them growing and changing. Don't you love it when you run across someone who's like in their eighties or nineties and they're still like following with that kind of importance? Like, well, let's just throw it against the wall. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, (laughs) I do, I do. But growing up in my house, it was like you, you did your parents learn anything from you being married to an atheist? Do you feel did did they improve? Not improve, but did they evolve in any way on their way of thinking? I think that it didn't happen fast, and it's not really, you know, there are some ways changes have happened over the years, but not fast. And I think that really helped me to understand conscious shifts of the planet, too, that things don't happen fast in that way. They just don't, and it takes time and to understand that. And so, no, I mean, there are a lot of fights at the dinner table about do we believe in God and all of the above? Right. <laughs> or are, do we go to church and, or how could you be raised this way? And then you go that way. And I'm like, everything that I have learned from being in the church is still with me. I have not lost any of that. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> the foundation is strong. Your core is strong. That's, that's because of what they did, right? Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. That's my thing, anyway. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, so your parents are a formative influence in you in that they bring you to church. You learn about singing, which is important. Uh, You learn about spirituality as well. From that moment on, do you recall when you first thought of music as something that was uh, beyond the church, something you wanted to explore in your life uh, elsewhere? Do you remember what sparked that? My father was a music promoter. He promoted, like, R&B and soul and gospel and stuff and so being raised around um, music promotion and the business of music in that way and acts and things like that coming to town that kind of like and him like listening to the radio all the time he was a person that didn't really have silence in his life he always had something going yeah my mom on the other hand not didn't need that you know she didn't need sound as much as he did he needed it and um and i'm a little balance of the both um but anyways all that to say i knew i wanted to be a singer when i was very little because of the way that i saw my father working in music and i was just like you know i want to be in music but i don't want to be on that side of it i want to be performing And so I knew I wanted to do it, but I also knew I had a very unique voice, which to this day is true. And that, you know, it wasn't going to be like easy for me or that there would be like that people would like my voice and find it pleasing and boom, I'm a star. I knew that my voice is more like for emotion and that it's not going to be for everyone, even in being nominated for a Grammy, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, my voice of all the voices that are on there are is a weird voice. It's just weird, you know? When I listen to the other singers that are in my category, I'm like, dang, that's a beautiful voice. <laughs> and to the ear, is so soft and, and or what it needs to be. To the ear, is more familiar. 
But I think my yeah. voice has always like been the voice that's like, what the fuck is that? Do I like it? Versus, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> well, you know, my wife has had made some of those comments to me, too, as I've been playing your record in the house. She's like, this is an interesting voice. I'm like, and I can't tell what she means exactly. It's interesting. She likes it, but she's like, interesting. Yeah, interesting's kind of a word, but it doesn't mean anything. You ever see that? You're like, what does interesting even mean? Anyway, I don't want to divulge. I don't want to get into that. I didn't want to get a debate with my wife about what that means. But I, and I want to talk about your voice in just a moment. But I just want to go back to your father and his promotional work, uh, and because I, I can only assume from what I've read, I mean, he put on concerts or tours by people like Prince, among others. Is that right? That's right. So did you engage with people like that on a even as a child were you were you like hello prince I'm Valerie and he was like hey Valerie like did you have any interactions like that I probably would have if I wasn't in my mom's belly at that show Oh oh I see sorry <laughs> sorry right right oh so this is cuz you're like uh, okay so this is like early or late 70s prince is that right Early 80s yeah and early 80s, it's like yeah. But for the other acts that came, like Bobby Womack, people like that, I did get to be around them, you know? Yeah, And, like, just in the Coliseum or whatever during the day before the show. Yeah. And seeing kind of, like, how they come in and sound check. But I couldn't stay for the show because we were young and they didn't want us there. (laughs) Oh, I see. You couldn't even watch them from side stage. You had to to split. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a drag. But you met them, so you got the perspective of what the behind-the-scenes stuff was like, and that that made an impression on you? Did that seem magical in itself? It seemed magical, and I was the one who a lot of times would help them with setting up the green room. And so that was really fun for me. And um, when he was promoting shows, he would have to make flyers because this was before social media and we would go town to town in the van, all the family members, and we would have staple guns and get out and put posters up on the, on the, um, telephone poles all over these towns in West Tennessee to tell people about the show. And right. so I learned all of that stuff. So when I moved to Memphis and I said, well, okay, I'm going to start singing and playing music. I would do the same thing for my shows. Right. <laughs> so fearlessly promoting, he would go to the radio station and buy ads and tell them, hey, the show's coming to town and the news and all of that. So I learned how to promote from from working with him. So with all, just given what you were saying with the green room part, and with all due respect, privacy, and discretion, who had the weirdest rider? Or not even who. What was the weird... If you don't want to say who, I understand. You don't even have to say anything. You, it's a free world. You don't have to answer this question. But I'm curious. What was the weirdest or wildest rider you ever had to deal with in a green room? I can't remember. I don't have a very good memory. Like, I was just thinking about that today. Like, I was sitting down and I was like, what did I just do just a second ago? Uh, okay, and I okay. I really couldn't remember. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if someone was like, I must have a parrot that can speak five languages, you would remember that. No one had that. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Nothing right. crazy. Nothing People too crazy. People were more concerned about just getting their money and getting home. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> got it. Absolutely got it. That That is a different era. Nowadays, there are bands who would ask for that parrot. I'm absolutely convinced of it. But anyway, let's get to your voice then, uh, because it's not simply your voice. I think it's also, on this record in particular, Like it's sort of produced in a certain way. It comes across a certain way, almost gauzy dreamy hazy like it's like almost like an instrument you know what i'm saying 
Yes. Well, if you're going to name a record, the Moon and Stars prescriptions for dreamers, it should be a very ethereal and dreamy <laughs> sound record. <laughs> it should. It should, absolutely. So do you have vocal, like again, we've talked a little bit about your singing in church and and, and your experience with your, your father uh, as well in terms of seeing, ba- or rather being immersed in music. But do you have any particular vocal influences uh, in your life? Hmm. Well, I mean, I love, like, everyone I've already named or you've named, all of those people, and then everybody else. I mean, any great any great singer you can think of who's famous, I probably have listened to them and extracted something from their voice. I see. <laughs> into what I do. Okay. <laughs> because... You can't just like be a singer and not sing along when the radio comes on or whatever. I don't care who it is. Like I yeah, learned songs yeah. and I just sing and sing and sing. Actually, what happened around the house most of the time was like, could you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> well, on this deluxe edition of the record and on the record, pro- on the record proper, we mentioned Carla Thomas, whom you're nominated for a Grammy with uh, for Call Me a Fool. But also on the bonus material, Mavis Staples, someone I admire greatly. I've seen play live. I've interviewed. I love Mavis Staples. Is someone like Mavis Staples a, a, a big figure for you in your in your work? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Mavis is St. Mavis to me, like Mother Teresa, because she is <laughs> happiness and joy embodied. <laughs> <laughs> She's the um, best. She really is. Yeah. And if you've seen her, you know, you know, when you go see her show, do you not leave feeling better than you came? Well, I saw her, the last time I saw her was in uh, Lewiston, New York, opening for Bob Dylan. And it was such a fantastic night. I loved it. And absolutely, she she's, she was joking about Bobby, you know, telling stories about Bobby. It was amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> us Bob Dylan fans, we go to the show, there's generally not an opener for the most part, like of the 30, 40 shows I've seen. Sometimes there'd be like a huge opener, like Mark Knopfler or the Foo Fighters or something. But like generally there's nobody. And then Mavis was there cracking jokes about the guy. And I just thought it was the best. So she's amazing. And I love her. How did you two connect for this? uh, The piece is Why the Bright Stars Glow. Uh, How did you connect with Mavis? Well, the first time I met Mavis was through Andy Calkin at Anti-Records. He was doing a record with her, and M. Ward was producing it. Oh, yeah. And he called and was like, will you fly out here to L.A.? And, well, he said, first, do you have any songs Mavis can sing for this record? And and I said, yeah, I'll send the songs. And I got on the phone with her, and she was like, okay. Andy told me you had some songs and I'm looking for positive messages because that's what Pops always told us was one requirement that had to be of any song we do. And I said, well, I'll send you the positive songs I have. I only have like two. So I sent her Living on the High Note. She listened to it and loved it. Then when she chose it for the record, they flew me out to L.A. and I got to meet her in person versus over the phone only. And when I met her, it was amazing. And she ended up inviting me to the studio to sing on the song with her, but also naming that album that M. Ward produced after my song. So the record's called Living on the High Note. (laughs) That's lovely. Wow. That's amazing. And and wow. I mean, that's great. You're living a charm life, I'd say. I mean, you deserve it. Don't get me wrong. This is great. I just am happy for you. Is is it it okay for me here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada to just be happy for Valerie June? Is that okay? Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's yeah, sure. okay. <laughs> what, are you, what are you supposed to say? Of course it's okay. All right. Well, no, this is lovely, and I appreciate this little bit of background. Do you have an idea of what's coming next for you in terms of maybe another record or more songs? I know you had some tour dates on the books, and I assume like everyone else, you're like, I hope those happen. Do you have a sense yet if all your tour dates are going to come to pass? I'm pretty sure they're happening, and so I'm excited to tour, and I've really missed being on the road and my fans and being in the world because I'm such a recluse and, like, just a homebody hermit that that was my social hour. Um, so I'm, I'm sure the I'm sure the plants the plants the plants must appreciate you being home all the time, right? They love it. I I yeah. talk to them and sing with them, and they're great. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So you're but plants notwithstanding, you're excited to hit the road. So excited, and you know I wrote a book last year that came out. Um, so at the shows, I'm looking forward to sharing some of the pieces that are in the book as well as the music. Just hopefully I'll have the opportunity to, to do it. I'm knocking on wood like all other artists. Yeah. Well, what was the nature? I, I must confess, I have not yet read your book. What was the nature of your book? Was it a memoir? No, it's called Maps for the Modern World. And it's a lot of poems and essays and insights and quotes and lines and things like that just positive messages to like prescriptions for dreamers that keep people like uplifted if they're feeling low in the day things like that you can open it to any page and get something that you might need for your day you're like a like a renaissance person you're like a motivational speaker almost it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess because I've had to motivate myself. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I think I think a lot of motivational speakers or whatever those figures are, I think that's what it is. They're like, I figured out how to motivate myself. And I'm going to share the the good word. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it all works. But I think that that's what I want from, like, just I want people to be able to, like, tap into their own personal creativity and share that with others i don't want to be the only one doing it i think everyone has some kind of creative gift and that when we don't share those things or we don't believe we can then because we're not the number one whatever blah 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 then the world gets out of balance people need to be nurturing that creative side of themselves because it's good for you you know On that note, so you mentioned the book. We have this deluxe edition of this record, and hopefully we'll find out soon if it earns itself that Grammy. Are you working on new music at the moment? I'm always writing. Hello? Hello. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that was that was it. That was it. You just said. I thought you were like. I'm, I thought there was going to be more. There was a gap or something. I'm always writing. That's your statement. Okay, that's good. So you're always writing, but no yeah. songs are. Does that imply that no songs are currently done, or are you just being cagey? Are you being cagey with me all of a sudden? Is that what's happening? I did not really talk about what I'm doing I in see. the future okay. until I have it like ready. That's fair. Absolutely <laughs> so. fair. Sorry, I, I, I just, I, you know what you did? You, 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 you turned a, you, tur- you put a little skit in our conversation. A little meditation <laughs> occurred all of a sudden and it threw me off. I'm like, something wrong with my speakers? What's going on? She's gone. Anyway, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And I, I think it, there are some artists who feel like it jinxes it to talk about it before it's done. So I feel maybe that's where you're coming from a little bit. You don't know what it's going to be. So why talk about it? 
Right. And it's just like, it takes me so long to do something like right. for making records, like many songs I work on for like years before the world sees them. So the world's like, that's new, right. but I'm like, Psh, that's 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only reason I'm asking is because I think, uh, I don't recall the moon and the, the moon and stars songs were not written during this pandemic lockdown stuff right no they weren't yeah so that's kind of where i'm where i was going if you had said more than i'm always writing <laughs> i might have said something like oh it's like are you do you feel like this time is going to make it through your songs but i imagine as you say it might be too early to tell is that is that fair it would be oh yes okay. and i'm also yeah. like i don't know if i'm the only one but i'm experiencing some slight january blues and yep. I just really like am so over this time. I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. for a con- consciousness shift and like a like a different time. Like I'm really ready. So I don't know if I would do anything. I don't really have a choice in what I'm doing. It just comes. But I can choose which songs I want to put together and how I want to put them put together. Yeah. The pieces from what I receive. So I really hope that I don't put out anything super reflective of the time. <laughs> I've heard I've heard that among uh, among TV show writers and filmmakers in particular, like they're doing their best not to reflect the masks and the lockdown because they these things are frozen in time. So ideally, we would look back on them and not dwell on it, you know, or or no, it'd just be a timeless thing. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't know if that resonates with you. Yeah, and once we get through it, I think revisiting it might be cool, but we are still going through yeah. this. I mean, I don't think any of us really, like, even though they said 2022, we weren't really ready for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. Two years? Yeah. I'm exhausted by it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Is it over yet? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're all, a lot of us are feeling that way. Well, listen, on a brighter note, I want people to learn more about you and to follow you and things like that on social media and whatnot. Uh, where would you like to direct people to learn? I know you got a website. I'm pretty sure of that. But where would you like to direct people to learn more about uh, you and your work? Well, I would uh, say to please follow me on all the socials because I share songs sometimes that aren't on the records, poems, life experiences, things of that sort. So... If you want to know more about my work and me, then that would be a good way to do it. And I have a whole lot of records out. Yep. So yep. once the person finds me, they'll be like, well, there's more than one record. There's a lot of work here. So hopefully that'll be fun. Very dy- dynamic, too. So I think, uh, yeah, it's a, it's great. I'm happy for you. And again, the website, I believe, is ValerieJune.com for like the central hub of everything, right? It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, Valerie, before we go, is it possible for you to pick a song from the Moon and Stars prescriptions for dreamers that we can go out on? And if so, can you tell us why you chose it? Let's choose the song Smile. Smile. Now, why do no, I want to like? change? You're changing it? Oh, my God. We have a change. Late breaking <laughs> news. What? What is the new selection? We're choosing Fallen. Fallen. That's the, that's the song that precedes Smile, interestingly enough, on the album sequence. Why did you, first of all, now we have two questions. Why did you pick Fallen? And also, why did you reject Smile after choosing it? That, I, I'm, now I'm just endlessly curious. Can you talk about those things? <laughs> well, we talked about 
the songs that are like old and, you know, the time that it takes to make a record and put a piece of work out. And one of the oldest songs on the record is Fallen. It's about 15 to 18 years old. Wow. And so I want to share that song because, for that reason. Now, this song is about uh, a relationship ending. Is that fair to say? You could say that, or the dreamer falling out of love with the dream. And, oh, like they just took this great leap because they were, you know, they were like, oh, I have this beautiful dream. I believe in it. And they take this great leap and they let the world call them a fool. And mm. then right after that comes the song Fallen because they le- leapt and they thought the net was there, but <laughs> ended up falling. <laughs> yeah. And from there, you could play the song Smile after that because it starts with, <laughs> well, I dust it off. I guess I'll get back up. It was worth the fall when the time got tough. Oh, um, and that's just explaining how... It's okay to be a dreamer, to fall, to fail, and to dust off and start all over. Well, I'll say two things. One, first of all, uh, the dreamer falling out of love with the dream is a beautiful way of describing someone who maybe realizes a relationship isn't for them. Uh, it's not working for whatever reason. And I don't know if that's exactly what you were saying, but that's what came to mind. Secondly, I think we should just give people a little taste, and they should get this record however they get their records on their own, but why don't we just give them a taste of Fallen and and leave it at that, and then that's going to entice them to get the whole record, I'm sure of it. What do you think? I like the way you think, Vish. I appreciate that, Valerie. This is Fallen from the Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers by the lovely Valerie June. Valerie, this was a tremendous pleasure and honor to get to speak with you. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I wish you the best of luck uh, in the future. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful talk. Falling out of love with love Placing all else above A I am willing to let go I was never mine Whistle of the Indian blows Saying everybody knows Only thing can't be replaced It's time Falling out of love with love All the things you're dreaming of Towers touch the dusty ground Fail without the slightest sound I am willing to let go It was never mine I am willing to let go It was never mine Looking through the broken 
there's something that we hold to at last Seeking, searching for what you cannot find Falling out of love with the, all the things you're dreaming of Terror was just a dusty ground There without this bloody sound I am willing to let go It was never There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Very, very special thanks again to Valerie June for the uh, lovely conversation and for appearing on this, the 670th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. Uh, most of the podcast platforms that this show exists on, uh, in fact, all of them, do not remunerate uh, me for having the show on there. They're just up there for free. As you know, you listen to this one. Hopefully you didn't pay for it. It was free, right? Well, that's good. It's good. It's all free. However, uh, it's nice to uh, pay the people who make this stuff sometimes. And that the best way is really Patreon. There's a little bit of ad money sometimes you hear these ads sometimes but they're not they don't it's not that lucrative you know what i'm saying anyway i don't like them i'd rather not have any ads frankly but what are you gonna do six dollars or more 
On the Patreon grants you access to exclusive content, and if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Uh, and you don't have to it's you don't have to donate six dollars. You could do anything you want. You can go higher or lower and you can change it at any point. It's just a suggestion. Anyway, learn more about all of these things at patreon.com slash creative control. As I say, there can be exclusive content on there and uh, audio, special, uh, sometimes extending from these conversations, a little bonus features, sometimes just uh, from my archives. Anyway, again, I've gone on and on. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and place special orders at via their website, blackbird.ca, and also to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as uh, always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim. He's very busy these days. Go to jimguthrie.org and pick up some of his new music. And finally, thank you to, uh, for, to you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Valerie June. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're very familiar with Valerie, uh, or if you're unfamiliar, uh, I hope you'll continue to support her or, or check out her stuff. She's great. And uh, I like this new record a lot. And otherwise, I hope you subscribe to this podcast and ask your friends to do the same. Tell your friends about the show and spread the word about it. All right. I will talk to you very soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 